On Noise by Schopenhauer 1788-1860 Translated by Mrs. Rudolf Dirks This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Peter Tomlinson Kant has written a treatise on the vital powers, but I should like to write a dirge on them since their lavish use in the form of knocking, hammering, and tumbling things about has made the whole of my life a daily torment. Certainly there are people, nay, very many, who will smile at this because they are not sensitive to noise. It is precisely these people, however, who are not sensitive to argument, thought, poetry, or art, in short, to any kind of intellectual impression, a fact to be assigned to the coarse quality and strong texture of their brain tissues. On the other hand, in the biographies or in other records of the personal utterances of almost all great writers, I find complaints of the pain that noise has occasioned to intellectual men. For example, in the case of Kant, Goethe, Glichtenberg, Jean-Paul, and indeed when no mention is made of the matter, it is merely because the context did not lead up to it. I should explain the subject we are treating in this way. If a big diamond is cut up into pieces, it immediately loses its value as a whole, or if an army is scattered or divided into small bodies, it loses all its power, and in the same way a great intellect has no more power than an ordinary one as soon as it is interrupted, disturbed, distracted, or diverted. For its superiority entails that it concentrates all its strength on one point and object, just as a concave mirror concentrates all the rays of light thrown upon it. Noisy interruption prevents this concentration. This is why the most eminent intellects have always been strongly averse to any kind of disturbance, interruption and distraction, and above everything to that violent interruption which is caused by noise. Other people do not take any particular notice of this sort of thing. The most intelligent of all the European nations has called Never Interrupt the Eleventh Commandment, but noise is the most impersonate of all interruptions, for it not only interrupts our own thoughts, but disperses them. Where, however, there is nothing to interrupt, noise naturally will not be felt particularly. Sometimes a trifling but incessant noise torments and disturbs me for a time, and before I become distinctly conscious of it, I feel it merely as the effort of thinking becomes more difficult, just as I should feel a weight on my foot, then I realise what it is. But to pass from genus to species, the truly infernal cracking of whips in the narrow resounding streets of a town must be denounced as the most unwarrantable and disgraceful of all noises. It deprives life of all peace and sensibility. Nothing gives me so clear a grasp of the stupidity and thoughtlessness of mankind as the tolerance of this cracking of whips. This sudden sharp crack which paralyzes the brain destroys all meditation 
and murderous thought must cause pain to anyone who has anything like an idea in his head. Hence every crack must disturb a hundred people applying their minds to some activity, however trivial it may be, while it disjoints and renders painful the meditations of the thinkers, just like the executioner's axe when it severs the head from the body. No sound cuts so sharply into the brain as this cursed cracking of whips. One feels the prick of the whipcord in one's brain, which is affected in the same way as the mimosa pudicia is by touch, and which lasts the same length of time. With all respect for the most holy doctrine of utility, I do not see why a fellow who is removing a load of sand or manure should obtain the privilege of killing in the bud the thoughts that are springing up in the minds of about 10,000 people successively. He is only half an hour on the road. Hammering, the barking of dogs and the screaming of children are abominable, but it is only the cracking of a whip that is the true murderer of thought. Its object is to destroy every favourable moment that one now and then may have for reflection. If there were no other means of urging on an animal than by making this most disgraceful of all noises, one would forgive its existence. But it is quite the contrary. This cursed cracking of whips is not only unnecessary but even useless. The effect that it is intended to have on the horse mentally becomes quite blunted and ineffective, since the constant abuse of it has accustomed the horse to the crack. He does not quicken his pace for it. This is especially noticeable in the unceasing crack of the whip which comes from an empty vehicle as it is being driven at its slowest rate to pick up a fare. The slightest touch with the whip would be more effective Allowing, however, that it were absolutely necessary to remind the horse of the presence of the whip by continually cracking it, a crack that made one hundredth part of the noise would be sufficient. It is well known that animals, in regard to hearing and seeing, notice the slightest indications, even indications that are scarcely perceptible to ourselves. Trained dogs and canary birds furnish astonishing examples of this, Accordingly, this cracking of wits must be regarded as something purely wanton, nay, as an impudent defiance on the part of those who work with their hands, offered to those who work with their heads. That such infamy is endured in a town is a piece of barbarity and injustice, the more so as it could be easily removed by a police notice requiring every whipcord to have a knot at the end of it. It would do no harm to draw the proletariat's attention to the classes above him who work with their heads, for he has unbounded fear of any kind of headwork. A fellow who rides through the narrow streets of a populous town with unemployed post-horses or cart-horses, unceasingly cracking with all his strength a whip several yards long, instantly deserves to dismount and receive five really good blows with a stick. If all the philanthropists in the world, together with all the legislators, met in order to bring forward their reasons for the total abolition of corporal punishment, I would not be persuaded to the contrary. But we can see often enough something that is even still worse. I mean a carter walking alone, and without any horses, through the streets. 
incessantly cracking his whip. He has become so accustomed to the crack in consequence of its unwarrantable toleration. Since one looks after one's body and all its needs in a most tender fashion, is the thinking mind to be the only thing that never experiences the slightest consideration or protection, to say nothing of respect? Carters, sack-bearers, porters, messengers, and such like are the beasts of burden of humanity. They should be treated absolutely with justice, fairness, forbearance, and care, but they ought not to be allowed to thwart the higher exertions of the human race by wantonly making a noise. I should like to know how many great and splendid thoughts these whips have cracked out of the world. If I had any authority, I should soon produce in the heads of these carters and inseparable nexus idearum between cracking a whip and receiving a whipping. Let us hope that those nations with more intelligence and refined feelings will make a beginning and then, by force of example, induce the Germans to do the same. Meanwhile, hear what Thomas Hood says of them, up the Rhine. For in musical people they are the most noisy I have ever met with. That they are so is not due to their being more prone to making a noise than other people, but to their insensibility which springs from obtuseness. They are not disturbed by it in reading or thinking, because they do not think. They only smoke, which is their substitute for thought. The general toleration of unnecessary noise, for instance, of the clashing of doors, which is so extremely ill-mannered and vulgar, is a direct proof of the dullness and poverty of thought that one meets with everywhere. In Germany it seems though it were planned that no one should think for noise, take the inane drumming that goes on as an instance. Finally, as far as the literature treated of in this chapter is concerned, I have only one work to recommend, but it is an excellent one. I mean a poetical epistle in Terzo Rimo by the famous painter Bronzino, entitled De Romori, a Messer Lucia Martini. It describes fully and amusingly the torture to which one is put by the many kinds of noises of a small Italian town. It is written in tragicomic style. This epistle is to be found in Opere Berlesche del Berni, Aretino ed Altri, volume 2, page 258, apparently published in Utrecht, in 1771. End of On Noise by Schopenhauer. Recording by Peter Tomlinson.